Welcome to the Theology of the Buddy, a podcast for Catholics who love the beauty of the church's sacred tradition. This is episode 71. My name is Chris, and I'm joined by my brother and sister in arms, Mike and Brooke. If you're someone who's looking to grow in their faith in new ways, connect with other faithful Catholics who are committed to helping you grow closer to our blessed Lord, or simply looking for other Catholic voices who are willing to speak the truth without compromise, but have a little fun along the way, you've come to the right place. We're not experts, but have learned a lot collectively over the 15 plus years we've been friends in the faith, and we want to share that with you. So if you aren't yet, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to ensure you get the best Catholic candid conversations delivered to you every week. While you're at it, don't forget to follow us on social media so you can keep up to date with all the great content we send out. Just search at Theology of the Buddy, all one word. All of our past episodes and show notes can can be found at TheologyofTheBuddy.com. So, following up on what we began last week, um, we're now into the season of Advent, and Advent has traditionally been a time where we would meditate on our final end and the four last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Last week, we discussed death. Uh, in particular, we talked about the death penalty and the traditional Catholic teaching on that point. And this week, we are continuing on that journey, and we're talking about our forthcoming judgment. But before we do that, let's catch up with Mike and Brooke. How are you guys doing? You would start out that way. Let's catch up. <laughs> uh, well, you know. It's the perfect you know. opening. Let's catch up. <laughs> let's, let's put it in spaghetti sauce. Let's put it on everything. Ketchup, 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 ketchup. <laughs> Let's put it on chips. Oh, Canada. <laughs> I love ketchup chips. Not like they're not my favorite, but they're pretty good. <laughs> you would. <laughs> what 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 kind do you like? Salty and vinegar? I like most kinds. And ketchup's near the bottom. It's just a weird chip flavor. I don't know. We need a theology of the buddy t-shirt that's like, you know, a mock Heinz ketchup label or something, but it's theology of the buddy. Yeah. That could be great. <laughs> right? We'll only make one of them and we'll just send it to Nicholas Job. <laughs> <laughs> he would love it. Okay, I'm gonna if I get a cricket, I'm gonna do it. Yeah. It's coming nice. for you, nice. Nick Job. <laughs> Shout out to our ladies armory. Hey, do you want to do the uh, corrections for last week? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do our, what, 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 what are we calling this section of the, of the podcast? Um, I don't know. Oh, I got it. Yeah. Go ahead. Apologetics gents. Like gents for apologetics. Are you apologize <laughs> for stuff you said last time? <laughs> Why not just apologetics? <laughs> It's not catchy. Okay. <laughs> or maybe it's more like apologetics. Yep. There Apolo- it is. <laughs> okay. So here's my apology. I didn't realize what year of the JP2 catechism I had. I thought I had the OG one, but it was actually the 1997 edit. Mm. So. There you go. There's a actually an even like a more orthodox version than the one I had. <laughs> <laughs> Notably in the original one, it it explicitly says that the death penalty can be used based on the gravity of the crime. Mm. They had deleted that line in the 97 edit and then added the part about um, the state rarely, if ever, using it. Okay. Okay. So there you go. Yeah. If you've got the original 92 catechism, it's a lot more traditional on this topic. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so that's your apology. My apology is, uh, 
after last week's episode, um, our good friend Billy Griffith from OK Catholics, who we briefly mentioned at the beginning of the podcast and called him out for his um his his bad meme. Um, <laughs> um yeah he he reached out and he uh he said you didn't mention my credentials so uh just wanted to make sure everybody was aware he's not just a dungeon master and a pretty face billy griffith is a, is a graduate of franciscan university yeah yeah he is that he is those things though right um um, but, uh, but yeah, he is a, a, a Franciscan university graduate, um, which I mean, um, I don't know if you can handle this, but Steve Skocek is also a Franciscan grad. So you're, you're now kind of lumped in with <laughs> Steve Skocek. Do you have really, a thing so. against Steve Skocek? I apologize. Um, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just presuming he, he probably does. <laughs> You're, you're just saying he's a trad now. Yeah, yeah, basically. Your YouTube channel may as well be one Peter Five. <laughs> uh, you wish it was that good. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's that. Also, um, I kind of had alluded to um, in the podcast with Nicholas Job um, that the readings in the TLM or uh, in the traditional Latin mass uh, missile all talk about death, judgment, heaven, and hell in um, during Advent. That's not really the case. Um, it's just traditionally been that, you know, there's four weeks in Advent and, you know, death, judgment, heaven, and hell is four things and they would kind of coincide. So um yeah, so I just wanted to make that clear. That's not necessarily <laughs> uh, clear in the readings uh, during the mass that you know what those themes are. Because um, yeah, this past Sunday was John the Baptist, right? So um, yeah, so I just thought I would make that correction. So so that's it, I guess, for apologetics. Why don't we turn it over to our good friend Brooke? Who's going to tell us about judgment and how we can be even more trad and judge all of our neighbors who fail to be as trad as we are. Thanks, Chris. I'll be judging you very harshly, but I will be judging Mike even harsher. Mm, That's fair. (laughs) So following up to what you guys had been discussing on the previous podcast, I have a feeling that most of us won't be encountering death on death row. That is, unless, you know, we're put into camps because Catholicism is made illegal and, uh, you know, they start executing us. Or if, you know, Doug Ford's coronavirus restrictions get just slightly harsher, mm-hmm. it, it might be the death penalty if you invite too many people over. Yep. 10 people, you're okay, but 11, oof. Straight to the electric chair. <laughs> I I think it might actually be diocesan guidelines that will be sending us to the guillotine before Doug Ford would. If they catch you receiving communion on the tongue, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so I'm going to put, put a question out there um, to you guys. And uh, I want to see what you guys have to say about it. What is a moment in your life where you encountered death or you really kind of had a introspective memento mori kind of experience? Chris, do you have one in mind? Um well, I mean there's there's I mean there's a number of of them for me. Um because yeah, like my grandparents who I was very close to um they they passed away um a few years ago um one after the other like a year following um and and i was there with them you know as they were in the process of dying um i wasn't there when they passed um but uh you know it you know when i think about in particular with my grandfather the um 
you know, the, the thing is like, I had been going to visit him very regularly, uh, you know, while he was in, um, in long-term care and, um, you know, I had kind of thought, you know, this, you know, I had this special relationship and because of that, you know, I know this might sound weird, but like in my head, I'd kind of presumed, you know, we have this special relationship, you know, I'll probably get to be there when he, when he dies. And, um, you know, so like I was by his side the whole time and then like things were kind of getting progressively worse. And, but it, it sounded like, you know, the doctors were saying, you know, like he might have a day left. And so I was like, okay, um, I'll go get my grandmother. I'll pick up my grandmother and Julie and my mom. I'll drive back home, pick them up and bring them back to see him. And um, in the process of me leaving and picking them up and um, bringing them back to him, he died. And it caused me to realize just how little control we have over these things that, um, you know, when, when the Lord says, you know, in the, in the scriptures, um, you know, that, that he'll come like a thief in the night. It was kind of like that, that death Mm -hmm. comes when, when you least expect it potentially. And, um, it's it's totally in the Lord's hands. It's not in in any of our hands. We have no control over it, and uh, you know it forced me also in my, you know, in my, I don't know what the word would be, in my own mind to realize that you know what I ain't invincible at all. Um, that this this life is not in my control at all, and. Um, that that the Lord will come in the blink of an eye, um, and I better I better as heck be ready for that moment. Um, so, yeah, that's my story. Cool. Um, the uh, the moment I was thinking of when you mentioned you were thinking about kind of memento mori type moments. For me, the first thing I thought of was kind of like a rock bottom um, realization of sin moment in my life where like, I know I haven't been like had a lot of these closeness of death type moments for me. I think of a moment when um, I was in university and I was kind of like overwhelmed by exams and stuff like that. And it was kind of also a time of like laxness and like thinking about the faith and stuff like that. And there was an exam period where I forgot that it was Sunday for the entire day and didn't go to mass. That was the only day that I haven't been to mass on Sunday from basically the day I was born until the COVID lockdowns. And it was like the moment of realization hit me like harder than anything. Like I basically ran out of my house and was like, it was kind of like a sad movie scene where I was like, you know, running down the street in the rain to get to the church and just like, you know, fall down outside of it. Because <laughs> it was closed. It was like the middle of the night already because my like night and day were mixed up. I was just like in a basement apartment studying. And man, it was a terrible time. But yeah, there's definitely thoughts of like, this is how far I've drifted away from what I should be doing with my life that I didn't even know that it was the Lord's day. Um, yeah, that's, 
that's it. Like mm. sometimes a moment like that, you can, even though I wasn't dying, I said I had a sudden realization of the seriousness of sin and that I could die at any time, you know, if that makes any sense. Mm. Yeah. Like you have, if you had been hit by a car on your way there or something and you would have been like, you know, yeah. I could have been way more prepared for, you know, something terrible to happen if I had just prioritized things, right? Like yeah, your exams at that time were stressful. And I think we all kind of need that moment to realize like even like the Lord's day trumps, you know, the priorities of any earthly thing basically. Yeah. And you, you know what? It was, it was not that I was really studying that hard. The mm. stress was high, but at that time it was more like, you know, medicate the stress with entertainment and stuff, right? Mm. That's kind of why it seemed so terrible and was so terrible. Right. Another side note about that episode, I went to confession right after this and told the priest all about this. And it was one of those confession moments that a lot of us have probably had where the priest was like basically telling me it was no big deal and I was wasting his time. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, that kind of thing happens to all of us in life too. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Brooke, what's your moment? All right. So my memento mori kind of moment was the passing of my grandmother. She passed away uh, about going on two years ago. And I still remember getting the phone call from my dad. You know, I was, I think I was nursing Vincent at the time. He was only a few months old. And my dad called me, said, you know, Grandma Sal isn't doing well. Um, she's at home and they don't think. Uh, that she'll be with us much longer. So I remember thinking, okay, Mike is in Kitchener right now. This is like obviously way before COVID. So he's, he was working in Kitchener and, you know, I had, I had my kids with me and I, I did not want to bring, you know, my kids into that kind of environment. Cause like a lot of people were there. Um, and I didn't know how people would react to having like an infant and, you know, a three-year-old running around doing stuff. Right. Um, so I called Mike and I let him know and he rushed home. Um, and, uh, I was able to go to her house. Unfortunately, she was only about five minutes down the road and, uh, I got there and a bunch of my aunts were there, but it was so quiet, you know, like, like there were, there were probably at least a dozen people in the house, but it was just like, you could hear a pin drop. Um, and you know, I went back into the room and, uh, like grandma was, you know, she was breathing, but she was unresponsive. Um, and, uh, yeah, there, I, I really had never encountered that kind of situation before. I'd never, I'd never seen anyone, you know, dying before or anything like that. So it was kind of, um, strange, especially for an awkward person like myself. I did not know how to approach the situation because it's like almost impossible to make somebody, it's, it's it's impossible to almost lighten the mood in that kind of situation, which I learned quite quickly. Um, Cause you know, I'm always trying to lighten, you know, make people smile and kind of see good things if I can, um, you know, recall happier times and whatnot. Um, you know, so we were kind of chatting and they were telling us what had happened and whatnot. And um, it's like, it, like she was in her nineties. Like she was, quite old. Um, and you know, she had pretty well, everybody was around her. Um, uh, my mom was, uh, was unable to be there at the time cause she was, uh, away. Um, but you know, a lot of the, a lot of my grandma's kids were there and their kids were there. And, um, you know, I remember they, they called me into the room at like, you know, just after 12 o'clock and they said, you know, can you come and pray with grandma? And so, you know, I said, okay. And, you know, we did the Angelus together and, uh, it was probably about 15 minutes later that I, like, I, I actually saw like her pass away, like, you know, she was there and then, you know, 
it, it's a very, it's a very, um, I don't want to say unsettling experience, but it's something I definitely wasn't quite prepared for. But in a sense, I was almost blessed to have been there because, you know, I knew that she was a woman of faith, that she was a woman that prayed her rosary that had had, you know, the anointing of the sick and, um, you know, had, uh, had her family all around her and she was able to be at home. And it was kind of like, an, I don't know, an example of a, an, of an ideal way to pass. You know what I mean? Like, you know, a, almost a picture perfect situation surrounded by her friends and family at home, knowing that she had had the sacraments, um, knowing that she wasn't in any pain. Um, and, uh, and yeah, having, having been able to have the opportunity to, you know, say goodbye and stuff like that. And, uh, I can only hope that I can go the same way. You know what I mean? Like to have that and to have that assurance. Um, yeah, know. that's a, a happy death. That's yeah. what they would call it. Right. Like there's so many prayers of the church where we ask for such a death, right? Mm-hmm. A happy death where, you know, we know we're right with God and we have the sacraments and we have the best chance to persevere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And obviously we continue to to pray for her soul and uh and and all that because ultimately her soul is you know we entrust our soul to to God. Um but uh we really have to reflect on our soul, you know, and how how when we go how will we be judged, right? Um, I was listening to Fulton Sheen talking and, um, you know, he was saying how, you know, when we die, kind of what we, what we have is our merit and, uh, we, we need to reflect on that. What merits do we have, you know, in our, in our souls, in our hearts when we die and how, how have we prepared for death and do we prepare for death daily? Do we die daily? Do we die to ourselves daily? Fulton Sheen, when he was doing a, um, I believe, I believe it was a sermon, but he was, he was discussing death and he was saying, let me get the quote here. It uh, resonated deeply. Oh yeah. He said, most of us die only once where we should have died a thousand times. And I was just like, oof. (laughs) I'm waiting to see if Chris has anything to say because it's been quiet for like ever. <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm just listening, and I like the, the, yeah, the thing that that you were saying with regards to merit. I think, yeah, it's, it's, it, I think it's two things, right? It's uh, you only take two things with you, right? Your sin or your merit, um, and yeah. the. Um, the the catechism of the catholic church the the modern catechism that apparently can be changed at whim but um hopefully this never changes <laughs> they uh it, i think they worded it really <laughs> well um in section 1021 it says that death puts an end to human life um as the time open to either accepting or rejecting the divine graces manifested in christ you know um so mm-hmm we understand that at the moment of our death it as if it is as if time freezes there's no longer any chance to change or amend your life um it's it's done and what and how you have lived your life and the ways that you have directed your life that's how you're going to be for the rest of eternity so if you have lived your life focused on growing in virtue, focus on growing in your love for Christ. You know, you're baptized and you're, you know, living that sacramental life and you're really pursuing a life of sanctity and holiness. You know, that those are good and <laughs> like hopeful things. You know, but I think at the you know, there is that inverse too, you know, that if we are focused on on just ourselves and our selfishness and and not loving God or our neighbor, we're going that's that's the state we're gonna be stuck in for all eternity. Um and 
and frankly, you know, I, I think it was Fulton Sheen as well that talked about how heaven would be hell to someone who is a manifest sinner, right? Because heaven is is for the just and for those who love God. Um, and if you don't love God here, you sure as heck aren't going to love him on the other side. And so, you know, this, the whole idea of, you know, um, you know, we've talked ad nauseum about, you know, reasonable hope that all men shall be saved. I think it just doesn't make any sense in light of this doctrine, you know, that, you know, that (laughs) you can't suddenly change after death and suddenly want to be a Christian, you know, it's, it's just not going to happen. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah. I was going to tie that into, cause uh, I've got a quote from father lappy day on the subject. Um, so yeah, I, I picked out this quote for this podcast cause it really shows the importance of the sacraments and especially last rites. Um, but it's on the subject of that, um, famous pathy, pathy, <laughs> that famous passage in Matthew's gospel, <laughs> uh, chapter seven, the, um, the, uh, wide and narrow paths. Um, so he, for anyone who doesn't know, which includes, um, past me from very recently. <laughs> um, Father Lapide is a, a Jesuit father who wrote um, the great commentary and kind of pulled together commentaries from all the fathers. And his commentary basically goes line by line through the Gospels, providing um, the perspective of the fathers. And it's awesome. Um, But yeah, first he talks about the straightness of the way and how that relates to the uh, laws and teachings of Christ and how the types in scripture um, inform our understanding of how many will be saved, like the um, analogies of Sodom and Gomorrah and of Noah and the flood and of the Israelites in the promised land. Um, but then he goes into considering the reality of our times. And I'm going to quote this part, um, talking about how few will be saved, because there's actually a, a hopeful part in here. So I'm not, trads are not all doom and gloom, guys, but I'm gonna, it's going to start off being all doom and gloom. Um, so this moreover is true. If you consider the mass of mankind, for by far the greater portion of men are infidels, Turks, Saracens, or heretics. St. Augustine compares the church to a threshing floor in which there is far more chaff than grains of wheat, more bad than good, more who will be damned than will be saved. Yet others, with greater mildness, think it probable that the greater portion of professing Christians will be saved, because most of them receive the holy sacraments before they die. And they justify sinners, not only those who have contrition, but who have attrition. And that means, I think, just um, fear of punishment, right? Not true contrition. Um, But it goes on, but this seems to be true of those who have not lived in constant and habitual sins, such as fornication, usury, or hatred. For such, when they are sick, conceive with difficulty any serious and efficacious purpose of amendment, or if they do conceive it, God, in just punishment of their past sins, suffers the demon of their bygone lusts to tempt them, and he furbishes and sharpens their memory, and so the sick man, in consequence of his habits, easily yields and consents in his heart to sin. Thus he falls and is damned. Of this there are many examples. So, um... Yeah, kind of a balance of hope and warning there, right? Like many of the fathers did think that the majority of Christians receiving the sacraments on their deathbed would be saved. 
which is actually more hopeful than the view of um, Augustine and Aquinas, who thought that most of even Christians would be damned. Um, but the warning is, <laughs> um, even receiving last rites is not a guarantee, especially if you live a life of habitual mortal sin. Because the repenting of that is extremely difficult. And I think Father Nix talks about this, how if you've lived in a habit of grave sin, then, uh, and, you know, it hasn't occurred to you to repent of it at any point in your life, it's unlikely that it will occur to you even at the point of death. Because often these sins, we um, we kind of numb our conscience to them if they're habitual, and we make excuse after excuse for them until it becomes something that we won't even think about repenting of, because we've convinced ourselves so thoroughly that this is okay. Isn't there, um, when you say that there's a chance of somebody falling into the, pres- the sin of presumption then, of just assuming like... You know, it doesn't matter how many times I have to confess the same sin, you know, God God will forgive me and someone just kind of lapses into committing those sins, going to confession without, you know, actually attempting to stop that behavior or, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Certainly, if you were to look at a passage like that and say, like, oh, last rites, um, it does forgive sins, even if you only fear punishment mm. and not if you can repent out of true um, love for God. And so does the sacrament of confession. Right. But if you look at that and presume upon God's mercy, um, you're not going to get far in the spiritual life, right? You're going to so easily relapse back into sin mm-hmm. if you confess with that kind of attitude, yeah. right? The saints often meditated on, you know, on their deaths. I have this uh, great quote from St. Jerome. As often I consider the day of judgment, I tremble. Whenever I eat or drink or whatever else I do, that terrible trumpet appears to sound in my, e- in my ears. Arise, ye dead, and come to judgment. Did y'all just get goosebumps? <laughs> it's pretty uh, epic. Could you imagine just sitting there he- eating? <laughs> And then you hear the voice of God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, boom, this is your moment of particular judgment. <gasps> what was that? Was that a segue? Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> it, would be your, it would be your general judgment, just for the record. It would Pardon be me? your general judgment that you would hear the, the trumpet, not your particular judgment. Just, oh, just I the guess correction. It's just the segue. <laughs> <laughs> so, but at the moment of death, yeah, that's usually how they describe the, like the second coming, end of time, general judgment is the trumpets and stuff. Oh, yeah. okay. Not just when you die. <laughs> Would just be like a little like air horn or something like that. I don't know, just like something a little less. Mm, okay, because he's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm terrible. I shouldn't make light of it. <laughs> no, you know when you hear a kazoo, it's still bad. <laughs> um, yeah. So, can I give a quick little definition of uh, how the church defines the particular judgment? Now that we've talked for half an hour about it, we should define it, right? What we can talk about it for half an hour? I know. I'm just teasing. Okay. So I got this definition from uh, New Advent, quote, the Catholic doctrine of the particular judgment is this, that immediately after death, the eternal destiny of each separated soul is decided by the just judgment of God. Although there has been no formal definition on this point, the dogma is clearly implied in the union decree of Eugene the fourth. Yes. yes, which declares that souls leaving their bodies in a state of grace but in need of purification are cleansed in purgatory, whereas souls that are perfectly pure are at once admitted to the beatific vision of the Godhead. 
and those who depart in actual mortal sin or merely with original sin are at once consigned to eternal punishment, the quality of which corresponds to their sin. The doctrine is also in the profession of faith of Michael. Uh, uh, I think it's Paleologus or something like that. What Mike said in 1274. Um, and yeah, there's a little bit of that. Various other papal documents. Various other papal documents. So yeah, right at the moment of death, our eternal destiny is presented to us based on the state of our souls, right? Yep, exactly. Yes, absolutely. Yep. The uh, the interesting thing as well, right, is that um, I, I don't know if you, you were kind of picking up on this, but like the the popes that you were mentioning, that was that was pretty far along in church history, where they're where they're talking about this. Um, but the um, I, I was doing some research and found that even the early church fathers were actually conflicted about what actually happens at the moment of death. There was a number of uh, different heresies that uh, were coming out, things like you know, uh, the question of whether a soul goes into uh, essentially just remains in a state of unconsciousness until the last judgment and things like this. But um, as you know, as time progressed and the church grew in her understanding, right, it was definitively stated, um, or at least, um, you know, at least formally stated by by these popes, what what specifically happens, right? So, you know, at the moment of death, you are judged in particular. Statement. I think that statement by Eugene the Fourth is. Um, infallibly defined okay not 100 percent sure but i think that's the one that is okay um yeah i kind of wish julie was here to join us on this podcast because while i was doing research for this particular episode i kept uh i kept bumping into saint alphonsus maria de Ligori, and uh that's a good name you should use it for a middle name for a baby <laughs> um you know the alphonsus part is pretty great yeah. Yeah. Happy birthday, baby John. <laughs> Happy birthday, baby John. And I found this great quote that, that uh, I, I just have to share. Sinners shall weep at the sign of the cross, for as St. John Chrysostom says, the nails will complain of them. The wounds and the cross of Jesus Christ will speak against them. Are you threatening us? I I am warning you. Yeah. And myself. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, a good warning. Like the wounds of Christ will testify against, you know, those that, that have done him wrong. And that's, I don't know. It's scary. It's scary. And I would not want to be, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to have to experience that. No, exactly. And, and you know? like the, th the thing that's, that's interesting with regards to the particular judgment and general judgment, I don't want to overstep and, and get too far into the general judgment, but you know, with regards to the particular judgment, when we die, the reason why it's called particular is because it's particular to you, right? General, general yeah. judgment is, um, the entire all, all of humanity, humanity right? right? But you know, when we are yeah. judged in particular, it is us individually before God Himself and God alone. You know, and like we said, you know, at the moment of death, time, our our chances of repentance are are done, um, and we are who we are, and so and. Once we die, we are in the presence of eternal truth, whether that's in hell or in heaven, right? So when we come to be particularly mm -hmm. judged and we're accused before the great tribunal of God, um, every accusation that is put against us, we will, without a doubt, just say, yes, I, you know, I'm guilty. You know, we we will have no other recourse, <laughs> you know, because there's no getting a there's no getting around it. Um, it is we are immediately in the presence of truth. So, like, 
yeah, every every sin, every failure um, that we've done, you know, we'll, we will own it completely and wholly own it. Um, another great quote, if I if I might, um, just because I have to, um, the great uh, Fray John of the Cross, Saint John of the Cross, says, um, "In the evening of life." We shall be judged on our love, and um, you know I think that really does nail it uh, very succinctly. That it it is truly how we have loved that will um, will define that destiny. I do hope on a future episode we talk about the uh, the final judgment because there's quite a lot to talk about there too. Are we not going to talk about that? I'd I'd love to talk about it for a moment if I can. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. So, yeah. So so yeah. So we've so we've talked about the particular judgment, right? Um, that's going to be in the sight of God alone. But at the general judgment, like Brooke was saying, um, specifically that happens right at the end of time, right? So. At the end of time, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised from their graves, the just to eternal life and the and the unjust to damnation. Um, but we'll all be reunited with our bodies, whether in heaven or in hell. Um, and at the time of the general judgment, all of us will be judged in the sight of all men. So, you know, you, when you were reading that that quote about you know trembling about the the last judgment, I was just thinking to myself, you know, um, you know, what would it be like if, you know, my closest friends got to see every single sin of mine? You know, what would they think? What would they, how would they feel? You know, and obviously, <laughs> you know, in the general judgment, I'll know theirs too. But just, just for, for the sake of, of meditation, thinking about that, that alone should make us tremble at the, the idea of, um, sinning, you know, um, that, that not just God'll know, you know, uh, when you hear like people say only God can judge me. Well, you know, yeah, God's going to judge you, but everybody's going to know about it. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, you know, and the the catechism of the Catholic Church again, you know, I think they worded it really well. They said in section 1039 that at the last judgment uh, the last judgment will reveal even to its furthest consequence all the good or evil that the one has done in their life. You'll literally get to see the butterfly effect, if you will, of your sins or of mm-hmm. your charity. And that's that's a that's a scary thought. You know, that that alone should make us tremble. I got something even scarier. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go for it. Is it a scary face you're going to make? No, no. So I was thinking about how at the final judgment, there's also the resurrection of the body. Well, we get our bodies back and we get them back together, whether or not we go to heaven or hell. St. Alphonsus Liguori says, At the sound of that trumpet, the souls of the blessed shall descend from heaven to be united to the bodies with which they served God on earth. And the unhappy souls of the damned shall come up from hell to take possession again of those bodies which they have offended God. The damned shall appear deformed and black like so many firebrands of hell, but the just shall shine as the sun. Oh, how great shall then be the happiness of those who have mortified their bodies by works of penance. We may estimate their felicity from the words addressed by St. Peter of El... Alcantara after death to Saint Teresa, O oh, happy penance which merited me which merited for me such glory. 
After the resurrection, they shall be summoned by the angels to appear in the Valley of Josephat. I have to share that whole thing because it was something I hadn't really thought of that. Oh, yeah. When we go to heaven, we get we get our bodies back and they're glorious and, you know, perfect. Right. Because I don't I want to say because they weren't contaminated. They're no longer contaminated by sin. Like we're able to be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect. And to imagine how like, you know, our sin also almost becomes like manifest on the bodies of those of the damned. Right. You know, I kind of, I was, it kind of makes me think about how in, um, do you remember the Fantasia short night at bald mountain? By any chance? No. Anybody? No. Well, there's a scene where like, uh, this giant demon is holding like these souls of these, uh, fiery dancing women. Like they're all dancing exotically and, and their bodies contort and twist and they become animals like these grotesque animals, you know? And it's just kind of like that, that sin manifest on the flesh. It's just kind of like what St. Thomas said that we quoted in our last podcast about how mortal sin reduces man to the level of beast. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's something to think about. There's also this other picture that I was looking at uh, today, which maybe I can share it on on our Instagram. Um, but it's it shows um, it shows hell, and mm-hmm. the um, the interesting thing is that in the midst of the of all the souls falling into hell. Satan is there and there's a clock above his head and it's the time is literally stuck on midnight. And it just says eternity in French over top of it, you know, like, you know, and you're watching, like you're looking around at this scene where the souls are falling into hell and the torture and the, um, the absolute misery of the, the, the devils and the, and the reprobate souls. And you're like, and, and this doesn't stop. You don't get a reprieve, you know? Um, And I think in our, in our modern lifestyle, we're all too familiar with trying to reduce the pain as much as we can. We numb it with, you know, with whatever, whether it be, you know, through medication or, or whatever, you know, but even if it's a mild inconvenience, we, we don't want to go through with it. We complain and we, we moan and we look for the fastest way to depart mm-hmm. and hell. There's no option out, you know, I think, I think it was venerable Fulton Sheen, but I can't, I can't, I can't quite remember, but he was saying how, you know, he certain there there are there are souls in hell that didn't think they would end up going there because they thought there's no way God would punish me like that from for you know whatever sin, be it they thought small. And that that's something to consider too, is just like and any any sin is worth punishment, right? Like I don't know. Maybe maybe I had no point to that. <laughs> no, no, that no, that that's that's it's true though. Like like every sin that we commit in this life crucifies the Lord of Glory. You know, mm-hmm. it whether it be a venial or a mortal sin, it still was the cause of our Lord's um, passion death. You know. Um, but, uh, I actually, I thought it was very interesting. I was reading through the Baltimore catechism today, the, um, Baltimore catechism too. Um, and it actually answers a very interesting question that I had kind of thought about, but I didn't really have an answer for. So it says here, uh, in number 416, it says, if everyone is judged immediately after death, what need is there of a general judgment? The answer is there is a need of a general judgment, though everyone is judged immediately after death, that the providence of God, which on earth often permits the good to suffer and the wicked to prosper, may in the end appear just before all men. 
It's almost like our, our consolation to know that, you know, for those that were um, virtuous could see, you know, fruits of, you know, be it their martyrdom or their sacrifice or their suffering, right? They kind of see how God's glory was brought about by by those good works. And those that, you know, did the opposite would also see, you know, how their failing, how their choices or their failure, their failures to be virtuous affected the world and God was still triumphant over it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The, the concept or the, the doctrine of, of purgatory, right? I mean, it's, I mean, we're kind of talking heaven and hell, but we're kind of overlooking purgatory, right? That even in purgatory, you know, there is that, there is that hope that, you know, that you will be saved and that you will be brought into uh, eternal life with the Lord. Um, but um, as as one of the priests, I remember, I think from Franciscan University said, um, it's going to hurt like hell. And, mm-hmm. um, and he meant that literally, uh, you know, that, um, if you look at the, uh, writings of, of different, uh, saints and whatnot, they talk about the fact that hell is, or sorry, that purgatory, the, the cleansing or the purgation that happens there is done by fire. You know, now what that means in terms of a spiritual reality, we don't really know, right? Because it's a spiritual state, but it it is not going to be pretty. <laughs> and and this is another reason why it is so important for us. I mean, we just kind of got over the um, the or just completed the 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 month of all souls, um, but we should always persist in praying for those who have died um, Mm -hmm. because um, those merits of our prayers can be applied to them Mm -hmm. um, and uh, to those, to those suffering souls in purgatory and help them and give them, um, give them essentially a boost um, to help them uh, in their time there. So um, I remember, uh, you know, back at the beginning of the month um, walking through uh, the graveyard in St. Thomas here, the Catholic graveyard. And I think it was, yeah, I think it was here um, that there is a, a tombstone that the person had written, had it written on their tombstone, please pray for me. You know, um, I, I thought that was <laughs> really smart <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> to have, to have that done because, you know, more than anything, you know, you don't want to simply be remembered. You want to mm-hmm. be prayed for after death. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Anyway. I, I I want to take a step back to what you had mentioned before about, um, you know, purgatory hurting like hell. Uh, Venerable Fulton Sheen was saying that hell is pain without love. Purgatory is love with pain. But in heaven, it is only love with no pain. And I thought that was a beautiful way to communicate those, uh, I don't know, those ways of experience or, yeah. Yeah. Makes looking at me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That is true. Yeah. So obviously, like you were saying, right, it's so important for us to meditate, especially during this time of Advent, as we're preparing for the coming of the Lord at Christmas, to also prepare for that second coming um, mm-hmm. when when the trumpet will sound and the dead will rise from their graves and be brought before God and the final judgment. Um and how important it is for us to to prepare for that moment now, not down the road, not you know um, when I'm done having my fun, but be ready for it now because we don't know when that time's going to come. 
for us when we're going to be called from this life um, and brought before uh, the Lord in our particular judgment. Speaking of which, make sure you do your daily exam, Chris. That will help you prepare. Mm, thank you, thank you, Brooke. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> and 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 you know, doing your daily mental prayer helps in that process, right? Of getting to know in that grow in that self knowledge, so that you know, um, so that you can better do a do an examine <laughs> at the end of at the end of your day. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, if you're looking for a really good resource, um, you know, there's, I mean, there's lots out there, um, but I, I know uh, coming across for us, um, the preparation for death by St. Um, Alphonsus Liguori um, is, a, is a beautiful, is a beautiful work that um, is really worth owning um and having on your bookshelf um do you do you have any other recommendations for resources for helping on meditating on death and judgment honestly i want to read that uh saint alfonso's Liguori book but uh this is kind of a new uh topic that i would like to study more so i don't really have any recommendations but i'd love to hear some if any listeners have any please uh Drop them in the comments wherever you're listening. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, okay. So before we close out the podcast, uh, we just want to announce that there is a giveaway coming up. It is going to be announced this Friday. And um, I've made an, ex- an executive decision um, that our listeners will receive pride of place in this giveaway. So what does that mean? So when the time comes, when we announce the giveaway, which we're referring to uh, as whiskey business, when that is announced, our listeners, you, you who's listening right now, I want you to go online to Instagram or Facebook to the post referring to the, um, the giveaway. And I want you to comment and tell us what your favorite episode is in the comments. If you do this, we will count it as five entries for the giveaway. Mm. It's five entries. So our podcast listeners, you, you get an edge on this. Make it happen. Again, Instagram, Facebook on Friday, Friday the 11th, you're going to go online. You're going to go online to Facebook and Instagram, and you're going to comment your favorite podcast episode from Theology of the Buddy. And we'll, we'll put you in the giveaway and consider it as five entries. So, uh, yeah. So look forward to that. It's going to be a great giveaway. We partnered with uh, Our Lady's Armory and Nicholas Job with this one. And uh, we've got some some really cool loot for you. So uh, you're definitely going to want to check it out. Um, and it's a true Christmas giveaway, being that you'll probably receive it in the greater Christmas season. <laughs> you, won't just, <laughs> you won't receive it for, for Christmas itself. But uh, Christmas is not just, Christmas, uh, not just December 25th. So yeah. Um, Anyways, yeah. So again, thanks everybody for listening today. Again, if you're not subscribed, get on it. Hit that subscribe button. Yes, you. Do it. And we would love to have you be part of this community. Um, if you do want to uh, to reach out to us, you can always email us at theologyofthebuddy.com. If you're not a Instagram or Facebook user, by the way, um, you can definitely send me an email at that email address, theologyofthebuddy at gmail.com and let me know your favorite podcast episode and we'll put you in the giveaway uh, for five entries. So make sure, you know, if you're not subscribed to us online, uh, if you don't follow us online, that you you email us um, coming this Friday. So, um, yeah. So I think that's basically it. We're going to continue on this journey of Advent meditations with... 
um, we're going to talk about heaven and hell in the next ones. So uh, make sure you're subscribed so you can hear it when it comes out. Podcasts are released every Wednesday. So until then, stay, stay, stay tracked. Tra-